The scripture reading this morning is from John 2, 1 to 10. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is it that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servant, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they, did, they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Well, good morning, and thank you uh, once again for this opportunity to come and share in the worship uh, here at Weston. It's certainly interesting days that we continue to live in. As we worship, we recognize that our Lord is the Lord of the universe, and he continues to invite us as his people to be his presence as we cope and as we try to figure out how it is we respond to not only the COVID, but also the tensions and the strife that is very evident in our culture and in our city at this time. Weston makes it very clear that uh, we are about receiving God's grace through Jesus and then sharing his grace, and that indeed that we are committed that all people are equal together in the eyes of God. And as we express this, our unity in Christ, we recognize that while we are diverse in who we are, we are very united in our focus and our commitment on Jesus Christ. We do not treat the gospel of Jesus as if some sort of wonderful idea, but we know that it's not a guide, but rather there is this wonderful presence of Jesus with us, that indeed Jesus indeed became flesh and dwelt with us, and then said to us he would not leave us or forsake us. During these days, we are not asking the question that was so popular, what would Jesus do? But we continue to explore together, what is it that Jesus is doing in the midst of all this? We certainly believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the life, the death, the miracles, the resurrection, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But in, the, in between this time, we also recognize that Jesus, who spoke history into existence, will bring history to an end at his chosen time. We also know that life is complex and that it hurts, and at times it can be abusive, and at times it can be joyful. We experience pain, we experience success. John chapter 2 contains the story of Jesus' first miracle, but it is a rather awkward and truncated conversation between Jesus 
and his mother. The setting in John chapter 2, the first part of it, is that Jesus, his disciples, as well as Mary, are attending a wedding. And at some point in the wedding, they ran out of wine. And for some reason, Jesus' mother, Mary, goes to him and says to him simply, they have no more wine. Now, you know, why in the world would Mary go to Jesus and speak to him about the wine? If someone had broken a chair or a table, you know, Jesus was a carpenter and he could fix that. But, you know, with a sanctified imagination, we can, you know, maybe think that Mary thought that the people who organized the wedding didn't particularly know how to plan it well. Maybe they were a little cheap. Or sometimes mothers can bring a little bit of guilt to the situation, and she's looking across the room and seeing James and John and Peter finishing the rest of the wine off because, and looking at Jesus and saying, well, you know, Jesus, you're the one that brought all these fishermen, and you know how those fishermen can drink, and so maybe you're responsible for this. And then after Mary simply says they have no more wine, Jesus' response is, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. That's in verse 4 of John chapter 2. And we know that his reference to his time has not yet come is to the the time of his suffering, to the uh, clarity of his messiahship and his uh, ultimately his death and resurrection. But he says, you know, why, dear woman, why do you involve me? And that, again, that's not a particularly warm uh, response to his own mother. Some Middle Eastern friends of mine say it's very respectful and it's not uncommon, but it is certainly not particularly warm. But if at that moment, the conversation ends and Mary walks away and as she is walking away, she turns to the servant and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And that's in verse 5. And can we get any better advice today than that? Can we get here anything better for us as we try to respond, as we try to manage all the situations that we're facing, than hearing Mary's words that invite us to do whatever it is Jesus would have us do? You know, the COVID situation, of course, has exposed the illusion that we had control. And now everything that we thought was important and significant at times has, have been set aside and, and the heroes that have risen are the people that are the grocery clerks and the truck drivers. And, uh, we, and, and the governments and the medical people are doing a wonderful job, but they are desperately trying to figure out how in the world do you manage this situation. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is, of course, his presence. I have made many mistakes in my ministry over the years of thinking that I could tell people, here, were three state, here are three steps that you can take to be a good parent, or here are five steps that you can take to victorious living. And of course, you do those things and you realize, well, that actually doesn't work. I had the nerve to teach a seminar on parenting before I even had children. And then, you know, I, ha- I think I had eight steps to be a good parent. 
And then, you know, once I had kids, I was looking for one idea that might work. But uh, in, in all of it, we realized that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a guidebook. It is, it, it is not a roadmap, but it is his wonderful, enduring, and powerful presence. And the, Annie Lamott has a wonderful saying about life, and she says, in the end, we are only walking one another home. God's people, his church, we are in the process of hearing Jesus together, of hearing what he is calling us to do, of experiencing his healing, his forgiveness in all of us, to know his ability to free us to experience extending forgiveness and experience forgiveness. We are walking with one another. We are learning from one another. We are encouraging one another. We are prodding and confronting uh, one another as we each walk each other home. Richard John Newhouse has said, if we are to be brought home, it has to be the one who, in the words of the Nicene Creed, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, only he can bring us home who comes from home. We are joining with Jesus together as his community as we walk each other home. But Mary's words, do whatever Jesus tells you to do, are not cute, they're not trite, but rather they are an invitation to engage with the resurrection power of Jesus against the dark powers of this world. Sin is real. Sometimes we can think in sins as lists of do's and don'ts and things that, you know, we, we, you know, smoking behind the school portable or, or whatever it is. And the Bible portrays sin as a power, a presence in our world, a, that which has brought all of the brokenness, the brokenness within our community, the brokenness within our own minds, the brokenness within our families, the brokenness that we experience in our environmental situation, in all of that, that is caused by the horrible situation of sin. It is a power, and scripture ultimately says that this power of sin leads to death. And Jesus, as the creator, is the giver of life. And we know that Jesus, as he lived and he died and he rose from the dead, he obliterated the power of sin and death. And he invites us together to join with him as he brings his grace, his truth, his light into the brokenness of this world. And that's why Mary's words to the servants are words to our own hearts today that says that we are to do whatever it is that he tells us to do. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said, evil may so shape events that Caesar will occupy a palace 
and Christ across. But one day, that same Christ will rise up and split history into A.D. and B.C. so that even the life of Caesar must be dated by Jesus' name. I need to hear the words that Mary said to those servants every day of my life. I need to hear, do whatever Jesus says to do. But how is it that we're to go about and do those, whatever it is that Jesus calls us to do? Well, of course, we know that we meet Jesus in his word, that meditating on the gospels of Jesus Christ is a wonderful way in which we can meet Jesus. And we can hear his words as he speaks to us about how we are to be in relationship with one another, how we are to be in relationship with people who are different than us, how we are to be in relationship with those who are enemies. That the Gospels, again, are, are not a map, but it shows us that he is the way. As we join with Jesus as he acts in the universe, we also need to be in listening prayer. Now, I know some of you are rolling your eyes out there, having just homeschooled kids uh, during this COVID time. And, you know, sure, Paul, we can have some time. But it, if it is possible in any way to set aside time when we are in prayer, but very importantly, when we are still before him and allowing the words that we have just read in the Gospels together that allow that, that his spirit would then speak to us, to listen as we parent, to listen as we serve in our businesses, to listen as we react to all of the issues that we face as a world. And so we can immerse ourselves in his word, we can take time to be in listening prayer, but always the invitation, the gospel is lived out in relationship, and that is that we are to serve in community and the opportunities that are there to be his presence in whatever situation, whatever neighborhood, uh, whatever community that, that we are in, we know we are his presence. One of the joys many, many years ago when we served in Angola, we met a lovely couple called Pauline Philippe Matuba. And they, along with their children, became friends of ours. They welcomed us into their lives. He was an elder in our church as well as in, very involved in the worship music. He happened to be the chief of pediatrics for the province of Wila that we lived in. And he invited me to serve with him uh, in reaching the university students. And just to put this in context, this was when the Soviet Union was still in place and Nelson Mandela was still in prison on Robben Island. And during this time, the Angola was a Marxist government with a committed uh, philosophy of atheism. And, and yet there was this huge desire on the part of university students to explore who was Jesus. And he invited me to join with him in serving in that area. We developed a large uh, group on a Saturday uh, afternoon. 
and they, we would meet every Saturday and explore all many, many significant questions in that area. One night he said, I'd like to bring a few of the students over to your home, as well as some other men. And so just three university students showed up and then three men showed up also. And what was interesting about the men, Angola is a Portuguese speaking uh, country, uh, one man spoke Spanish and the two other ones spoke, only spoke English. And uh, as they came in, I figured out that the Spanish-speaking man was with the Cuban forces. There were 40,000 Cuban military uh, fighting the civil war on behalf of the government. And uh, then the two other gentlemen, one was from Namibia and one was South Africa. The Cuban was a doctor, and it turned out that the Namibian was a military strategist with the Southwest Africa People's Organization, which was fighting against the the control of South Africa and the, and the apartheid government in Namibia, and the other gentleman who had a different accent, he was from South Africa, and he was a member of the African National Congress military wing, and he was committed to the overthrow of the uh, apartheid um, government in South Africa. And they were both military strategists fighting a revolutionary war. And well, it, what was so interesting was that together we all had a deep, deep commitment to Jesus. And while their politics and their day-to-day -day life was probably very much outside of my comfort zone, I just knew that I was free, that I didn't have to figure all that out, but together we could be at peace, and together we could be united, and together we could be an encouragement uh, to one another as we went about what it is God had called us to, to do and who it was God had called us to be in the, in the middle of the differences that no, that no doubt we all held. And one of them particularly, the, the gentleman from South Africa, the African National Congress, became uh, a friend. And uh, while you know, I, I knew that he got up every morning and he planned how it is that he could do uh, whatever it was militarily to bring down the South African uh, white uh, racist government, uh, my life was, was very different than his. But together we were able to be united and together we were able to seek what to do whatever God would call us to do. And so today, as, as, as we go about focusing on how it is we are to live in the, in the middle of all this, may we be encouraged by all this. May we be people who are people of the Gospels. May we be people who are people of listening prayer. And may we be people who are free to serve in his community. Allow me just to end again with a quote from Martin Luther King. In the midst of outer dangers, I have felt an inner calm and known resources of strength that only God could give. In many instances, I have felt the power of God transforming the fatigue of despair into the buoyancy of hope. And today, as we go about doing what Jesus calls us to do, what Jesus would have us to do. May we experience it in his power, in his presence, and with this buoyancy of hope.
God bless you and thank you.